Lord Jesus, Son of God, our great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, help us to hold fast to our confession and to draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we have what I would call a, a gift in the Anglican Church known as the lectionary. It's very nerdy of me to say, but I think it's a gift, and we're not the only ones with it. Uh, Roman Catholics, Methodists, and Wesleyans, Eastern Orthodox, Lutherans, they all have lectionaries as well. And a lectionary, or what you'll find in, in our prayer book, those red books that we have in the back, and you may have one yourself, are, is... Um, this, it's called a Sunday Holy Day and Commemoration Lectionary, and it's what we use in what we're doing here in our gathered worship together for preaching and reading aloud passages from uh, four areas of Scripture, the Old Testament, the Psalms, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the letters of the New Testament. And um, I call it a gift for several reasons, but the, really the main one is that it just keeps us here in worship accountable to, to both preaching and hearing the Word of God, uh, the whole Bible, and not just standing up here every Sunday and just riffing on the same old books and same old passages and topics you know, that we prefer. So with that said, we've made the decision to go through the, the book of Hebrews uh, or the epistle to the Hebrews, which for me, I wouldn't have chosen. But it's, it's in our lectionary. Um, and the reason I, I wouldn't have chosen is because it's an incredibly dense uh, uh, letter. And it's, it's kind of hard to preach through. But we're going to make our way through it. The staff have made the decision to do that. We're going to go from this Sunday up through uh, Christ the King Sunday, which is the Sunday just before Advent. That's um, that's only eight Sundays away. We're, it's already October 2021. Can y'all believe it? So uh, we encourage you to take these eight weeks and just journey with us. Um, read, read through the, the scripture that's listed in the lectionary and, and especially paying attention to Hebrews. Um, whenever it is, you may set aside time to, to read or, or morning devotional, evening devotional, that kind of thing. It may be just a time that you can kind of develop that, that discipline in your life. And so I challenge you to that. I, I won't get into that today, but that's something that we believe is just vitally important in our life of faith, both individually and as a community. So let's get into it. Book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 9 through 18. And let me just say up front that um, Hebrews is incredibly rich. There, there's just so much to get into. I won't do it justice, but I'll, I'll try to kind of pull out the main uh, pieces that can go along as we go through this uh, series through it. It's honestly... Um, for me, just intimidating to preach from. Every, every verse kind of has something that you could chase, but look at what we heard read this morning. We have things said like uh, Jesus, for a short time, being given a position a little lower than the angels. And, and on first reading, I'm like, what does that even mean? You know? And then uh, we've got statements about Jesus being our great high priest, which is a huge state. It's, it's got these huge implications on 
who and what we understand Jesus to be in relation to us. So just know that as you're reading and, and you find yourself with more questions than answers, you're not alone. Gabe, Gabe is too. And if I were to sum up this, this section this morning with some sort of takeaway, some sort of like maxim, it would be this, that the work of restoration cannot begin until a problem is fully faced. The work of restoration cannot begin until a problem is fully faced. And I, I stole that. It's a quote that I stole from actually a therapist named Dan Allender. But I think that it's, it's fitting here because what the writer of Hebrews tells us is that there was a problem. And that, in that problem, God in his love for us fully faced it. And by him fully facing that problem, we and all of creation are being restored. The problem was death and that humanity through sin was enslaved to death. And we're not just talking about a bodily, physical death here, right? But yes, there is that. But it's, by death, I mean an oppressive force of death, a death that actively seeks to uh, snuff out every grain of hope, every grain of goodness in the world. When the Apostle Paul encountered it, he described it as an enemy of righteousness, full of deceit and villainy. And he said it refuses to stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord. C.S. Lewis uh, had a similar term for it. He called it the bent one, the Lord of our world who wastes our lives and befouls them. That's quite a problem. And the problem, see, it isn't just that our hearts stop beating or our lungs stop filling with air and our bodies stop functioning, but it's, it's that our hearts become hardened. And it's by the, the air in our lungs that we utter words of hatred and destruction. And it's by our bodies that we go and we perform destructive acts in the world. And that is not the way of God. It is not who we were made to be and how we were made to live in this world. And so the story of Jesus is the story of incarnation. It is, it is the divine and the flesh unified into the person of Jesus and by that incarnation, we are restored. It is a story of restoration. He didn't come to fill our heads with new knowledge or to fill our bellies with fish and bread or to, to come and do some miracles for the down and out of his day. Yes, he did come doing those things, but those things are a signpost pointing to the kingdom of life that comes to lay waste to the lies and the deceit and the, the murderous, hateful, destructive law of death. God fully faced that problem through his own full flesh and blood incarnate experience of death. In order that, Hebrews tells us four things. Verse 14, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. Verse 15, that he would free his people who had become enslaved to fear. Verse 17, so that he could become our high priest and that's something I think you'll hear more about in the coming weeks. And verse 18, to help us when we are tempted. So now, all that together means there is nothing standing in the way of restoration in our lives. There is no power or person, no thing we could 
face or experience. There's not even death itself that can keep us from the, from the restoring love and work of Jesus because the founder, look at verse 10, that word founder. In the ESV, it's founder. In some other translations, it's author or pioneer or originator. The Greek word here is archegos. It's where we get the word archetype from, the archetype of our salvation. Jesus pioneered the way to life through suffering death. And, and the writer of Hebrews mentions that God took on full human flesh. He became fully embodied as a man. And the writer references that fact three times in this passage because he, I think he wants us to see that, that um, Jesus, being God, identifies with us in every way possible, including death. And because of that, he has forged a new way to live in this world, a, a way without fear and a way without enslavement to fear. And so we don't merely celebrate God's incarnation uh, in a manger in Bethlehem. We celebrate it every day that we wake up and our hearts are beating in our chest and our lungs are filling with air and our bodies move because we remember that life remains possible even when those things stop. Because as our high priest in heaven, Jesus at this moment, and I'm about to say something that I don't, I don't even fully get, but Jesus as our high priest in heaven, he stands in the flesh before God the Father. And he presents his body once sacrificed on our behalf so that we might stand before God as a free and holy people, and verse 11, so that we can stand beside Jesus and he call us brothers and sisters. Unashamed. And I know that's a lot to take in and, and we won't all really get to the fullness of that truth today. It's gonna take a lot more parsing out through Hebrews to get to what that really means, but I offer it to you to say this. You cannot fathom how deeply your Father in heaven loves you and the lengths to which he has gone to unite with you in your suffering and to ultimately restore the hope of things to come. As some of you know, I'm, I'm personally I'm in a new season of life without parents, without a mother or father, and, and I, I join a lot of you in that reality um, but I'm adopted as well, so there's a somewhat unique component to that. It's kind of a, a second orphaning. Um, and so in navigating these losses, I've got some really good help uh, from therapists and counselors. Um, yes, that's plural, therapists and counselors. Uh, paid and not paid, thank you, Lord. And what I'm finding out in this season of life is that in me, there's a deep, innate hunger for others to know and share in my story and in my pain. And I don't mean I need others to hurt for me um, or even to empathize with me, although empathy is a good thing. But I mean that at this place in life with the things that I've experienced, I need, I innately need friends beside me with encouragement and love and hope as I explore my story, even when they can't fully relate. I crave that company. I crave that community. And I'm finding that it isn't just helpful, but it's actually necessary for my own mental and 
physical, emotional, spiritual, my, my whole being and, and well-being and health. And, and I think that's the reality of loss. There's an inbuilt need in us, perhaps, and it might even be the most human thing that there is about us, to crave having another person carry our story with us without fear and without shame, without guilt, and whatever the loss is, you know, whether it's a bad grade on a test that you've studied your heart out for, or whether it's a betrayal, whether it's uh, being passed over for a, a promotion that you had long hoped for, or it's holding a dying child in your arms, if it's uh, sort of reliving past hurts and failures, or you're suffering through a long season of anxiety and depression, whatever the loss, whatever the hurt, know this. You are not alone. And we are not alone. There is one who carries your story of pain and heartache and longing and brokenness. And unlike any other person in this world, he knows your unique pain and suffering. And he feels it in his own body. And he carries it to the Father, whereby the love of the Father and the power of the Spirit and this work of the Son, it will be fully restored. That's our promise. And that's an intro to the letter to Hebrews. All right, so let me uh, close this in prayer. You, Christ, are the King of glory, the eternal Son of the Father. When you took our flesh to set us free, you humbly chose the virgin's womb. You overcame the sting of death and opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. You are seated at God's right hand in glory. We believe that you will come to be our judge. So come then, Lord, and help your people. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.